Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 150 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 150 of Restatopia continues. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was Monday Night Raw going down live from the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. And I got to say, this was an absolutely dry episode of Monday Night Raw because it felt so long in the tooth and I have not said that about a raw in quite some time but this show dragged and the crowd was dry as well which did not help my enthusiasm from home but we had some bright spots here and there most notably the bloodline showing up in DC as it was the undisputed WWE tag team champions Usos alongside the honorary Us, Sami Zayn and the enforcer Solo Sokoa who scares me more and more by the day because he is intense he does not crack he's pissed off at all times and I kind of like it as Riddle zooms by the them, which angers them and Elias rose up on the bloodline wondering what the commotion's about and Solo beats down Elias so badly that Elias is unable to team with Riddle to face the Usos for the undisputed tag team titles the bloodline kick off the show in the ring and the Usos say we simply don't have any competition for these titles tonight we're going to take the night off and we get Riddle coming out to utter the word that he should never say out of his mouth Usi which was really annoying and Sami Zayn says no 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 only we say Usi around here. And besides, I'm a newsologist and I decide what's Usi or not. And you, sir, are not Usi in the least. So Riddle has a replacement partner for this tag team title match against Usos. And it's none other than Sami Zayn's former best friend, Kevin Owens. And Sami sees a ghost as this match is official after the commercial break. And this match was good as kevin owens laid out jimmy and jay on the outside as we go to an early commercial break we come back and the usos use a referee as a distraction to isolate riddle away from owens through another commercial break owens makes a hot tag and goes after jimmy uso with a swanton bomb for two jimmy blocks a stunner and power bomb attempt by ko and lands a super kick for two until jay and riddle are the legal men and they trade strikes until riddle sends jay on the outside owens is about to go after him until solo stands in the way so riddle wipes out solo with a dive on the outside and doing so jimmy makes a blind tag in full view of the referee which is illegal of course as Sami Zayn provides the slightest distraction to Riddle as he allows Jay to get back in the ring and hit the 1D on Riddle with an assist from Jimmy to retain the WWE undisputed tag team championships after the match is over the bloodline go after a down and out Riddle until Owens makes a save with a steel chair he runs off the bloodline but in doing so there is one member of the fam left in Solo who is going to absolutely demolish Matt Riddle he even uses the Samoa and Spike that reminded me so much of Omaga back in the day. He does the hip attack in the corner, not once but twice with Riddle's head wrapped around a steel chair to add insult to injury. And we get the stretcher job for Riddle by the cafe medical team as they put him in the ambulance and send him away this might be a way to cool off riddle for a while because he has been grading as a character as of late i have not laughed at a riddle joke and god knows how long the bongos did very little for me as well i go to him lifting usi from Sami Zayn, which was equally frustrating so i just think this is the best outcome for riddle right now Take a step back, sell the injuries, come back early next year and be revamped as a character because I like Serious Riddle. He vied for the Universal Championship against Roman Reigns earlier this summer on SmackDown. And that was a match and a show that legitimately moved numbers for WWE. So if you know this guy can light 
a fuse and be a draw for an audience that would want to see him win the big one someday. You got to capitalize on that and not draw back to the campy aspects of Riddle that can be very polarizing under certain circumstances. So I'm glad he's been run off television right now. Come back a bit more serious and keep him the hell away from Elias because I don't want them as a team or feuding because that would do both men no favors heading into 2023. Next up is Bailey coming out for a triple threat match against Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch. Becky comes out through the crowd to taunt Bailey a bit to let her know that we haven't faced each other one-on-one in over three years. That could change if we win our respective triple threat matches later in the show. It could be you and me next week fighting for a shot at Bianca Belair's Raw Women's Championship and she gives Bailey credit for carrying the women's division during the Thunderdome era on SmackDown. Bailey wants applause. She gets none of it. And Bailey calls out Becky for being a spotlight stealer. It's all about her when she's here. But when she's gone, Bailey can build things and roots up. And the fans jeer her for that as well. And then Becky calls out Bailey for saying, well, at least two thirds of your crew have titles. Maybe you can level up at some point as well as she walks away. And in doing so, we get this amazing stare down between Rhea Ripley and Becky Lynch. We got icy cold stares. They stared a hole through each other. It was intense and I loved it. We got up close and personal and the eyes were eyeing and I ate it up. We have not seen Becky versus Rhea in a traditional sense. We need it one-on-one very soon. Big money match. And I love the tease last night because you felt the vibe changed when they laid eyes on each other. That is a feud that is licensed to print money sometime in the very near future. As we segue to the triple threat match involving Bailey versus Asuka versus Rhea Ripley for a shot at Bianca Belair's Raw Women's Championship at a date to be determined. This is a two-step process. Win this match and you face the winner of the second triple threat match involving Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, and Becky Lynch in a number one contenders match next Monday from the Five Star Forum in Milwaukee. Wisconsin. As for this match, Rhea Ripley wipes out Bailey and Asuka with a dive off the apron as we go to commercial break. We come back and Rhea Ripley and Bailey become strange bedfellows as they work together against Asuka, but Asuka is going to get rid of Bailey and land several strikes on Ripley before dropping with the code breaker for a near fall. Asuka's both women with yes kicks, but Bailey catches her in the cradle for two. Ripley headbutts Bailey before Asuka gives Bailey a German suplex in return. Asuka knocks Bailey off the apron with a kick, but Bailey yanks Asuka out of the ring before she could follow up with a offensive maneuver which leads to Bailey and Rhea Ripley teasing a truce to work together against Asuka but that quickly breaks down as they go off against each other until Asuka lands a nice double code breaker on both ladies and pins both of them for very close near falls from there Asuka lands a missile drop kick on Bailey and applies the Asuka lock until Rhea breaks things up with a missile drop kick of her own and then we got Bailey nailing Asuka with a diving elbow drop off the top rope for two. Bailey gives Asuka a belly to belly suplex, which is broken up by Ripley at the last minute. Ripley is going to headbutt Bailey a few times and lands a gorgeous Northern Life suplex on her for a near fall. From there, she is going to be a little greedy. She drop kicks Bailey off the apron and she's going for a rolling set on on the floor, but she lands ass first and she wipes out and she's out of this match as Bailey and Asuka trade offense in the ring for a bit, but Bailey is going to count Oscar off the top rope and land the rose plant for the win to be in that number one contenders match next Monday against the winner of the main event between Becky Lynch, Nikki Cross, and Alexa Bliss. After the match is over, Rhea Ripley beats down Oscar in an act of frustration after failing to capitalize when she had the chance. When she had Bailey out with that Northern Life suplex and that drop kick, go after Oscar 
go for the win. She did not. And in doing so, she decides to land a riptide for a Pyrrhic victory that really doesn't count at the end of the day. As for Bailey winning this match, I felt kind of gloomy about it because we've seen Bailey versus Bianca Belair numerous times at PLEs on TV over the last few months. And Bailey has lost every time. She has not been pinned in these situations, but she has lost. And I don't want to see this match run back again because we are dating this feud back to the summer, the end of July. That's how far back we're going. And if we're going that far back, we got to cut our losses at this point. And I love Bailey. I enjoy every Bianca Belair and Bailey match. They never miss, but it does get numbing as a viewer when you know Bailey will not be Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. It's a waste of time. In all actuality, you want to get her pinned to end this thing? Fine. But I won't care emotionally. I won't be up out of my seat saying, oh my God, I will love the work because it's always beautiful. But as a fan, I don't care emotionally anymore about this feud. So I was very kind of happy with the outcome of the second match, even though that too lacked heat at the end of the day. But speaking of heat, we got some via Seth freaking Rollins wearing a powder blue snakeskin suit, had the matador jacket, and those pants were tight as hell. Might have been the tightest pants I've ever seen Rollins wear to really accentuate his ass, and he knows what he's doing. I've tweeted about it. I've talked about it on the show. The ass game of Seth Rollins must be respected as he leads the crowd in song before Bobby Lashley comes out, and he warns Seth to choose his words wisely, and Seth nudges Bobby by saying, hey, Bob, I know that you haven't been the same since losing to Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel last month. I get it when you can't quite be on Brock's level. You can win a championship here or there, but you can't match Brock in any other category. And that really gets under Bobby's skin as they will face off for a shot at the U.S. Championship next Monday on Raw. And Rollins push Bobby too far as Bobby goes after Seth. They have a brawl that leads to security and officials coming out to break up the fight. And as the actress goes back to the ring, Bobby Lashley accidentally spears Petey Williams, a WWE producer, and Adam Pierce is selling shock and horror at this as Seth Rollins scurries away from this fight ahead of his match against Lashley next week for a shot at the U.S. title at a date to be determined. And Pierce does reprimand Lashley backstage saying, I know it was an accident, but don't let this become a habit. And Lashley's like, well, if somebody falls in a den, you're going to blame the lion for it? The lion is going to protect himself. He's going to strike first. So maybe tell your guy next time, stay out of my way. And this will lead to Lashley versus Rollins next month. Monday. She'd be very good in Milwaukee to see who will face Austin Theory for a shot at the U.S. title. And speaking of Theory, next up is Theory versus Mustafa Ali for the U.S. championship. I don't like the impromptu nature of this match because Ali has done nothing but lose as of late on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Unfortunately, the booking has not been a help to him. And last night was kind of rough. They kind of botched her Kavana spot in the corner. Ali goes for a DDT, but we get... A surprising finish in the form of Dolph Ziggler super kicking Austin Theory for the disqualification. Because if we go back weeks ago, Theory unleashed on Ziggler, beat his ass from pillar to post, hit him with chairs and still steps and shit. And that really cemented Theory being a grown-ass man before winning back the U.S. Championship at Survivor Series nearly two weeks ago. And I'm going to be real. It took me a couple of minutes to remember why Ziggler would come out to go after Theory because I forgot. I am so 
in and out with Ziggler moments. I love him moments. I don't care. And I was very in between last night as Mustafa Ali gets in Ziggler's face was saying, dude, you interrupted my title match. How dare you? And in doing so, Theory attacks both men from behind and drops Ziggler with the A-Town down to wrap up the segment. So this was something. It was a way to forward a couple of feuds for now, but poor Ali. The booking has got to get better for him. His hair was luxurious last night. The gear was on point, but the booking for him still sucks. And that's got to change heading into the new year as well. Next up is JBL's Poker Invitational. It's been going on throughout the show backstage involving the Af- Academy, the OC, Dexter Loomis, Johnny Gargano, Baron Corbin, Akira Tozawa, and Dominic Mysterio. And the cards are in the air. We got the chips at the table. It's all good. And then we get some skirmishes involving Corbin cheating. And that leads to the Afro Academy and Corbin versus the OC at the top of the third hour. All I got to say is, oh, this is my spirit animal. Because when I'm at a poker table, I like to eat. And Otis was eating his ass off. And I love that for him. And I love the Letterman sweaters from the Afro Academy. It warms my heart as well. And this match between the OC, AJ Styles, Carly Anderson, and Luke Gallows versus the Afro Academy's Chad Gable. Otis alongside Baron Corbin was good. The heels were dominating early on. But things got better during the second half of this match when Corbin hits the deep six on AJ Styles, which allows Gable to get the cover for two. Styles is going to drop Otis with a Pele kick and tag in Anderson, who goes out. After Gable, they trace some great offense back and forth until Anderson lands a spine buster on Gable until Corbin breaks up the near fall and gives Styles a backbreaker in the process. Styles is going to land a punch on Corbin and Gallows is going to drop him with a big boot. Otis is going to deliver an incredible overhead suplex to Gallows, who is not a light man. That is a big hoss you're tossing around. And then Styles goes up top, lands a phenomenal forearm on Otis. The rocks him, knocks him off his feet. Gable is going to hit Styles with a gorgeous exploder suplex that turns the phenomenal one inside out. Anderson lands an uppercut on Gable and tags in Gallows. In doing so, Gable goes to the Chaos Theory German suplex, but he gets caught with the magic killer by Gallows and Anderson for the win. JBL does not realize that the tag was legal by Gallows to pick up the win for his team. And he's livid and I do not care about him, even though he was kind of funny last night during those poker skits with Dexter Loomis, who put an axe on the table for collateral for whatever reason but the highlight was the Miz being so broke he tried to get in the room by using a Rolex and it was a fake ass Rolex at that so the Miz is going through hard times and all I could think of is the fact that broke ass Baron Corbin would do it so much better than the Miz by being broke as fuck but I digress on all of that. As we move on to Dominic Mysterio versus Akira Tozawa, who also had beef during the JBL Poker Invitational. And Tozawa is levels above Dominic in the ring in every conceivable way. I don't like this stereotypical shit they got my guy doing in these backstage skits because he's so fucking amazing as a wrestler, but I digress. As he dominated the majority of this match, Dominic delivers those shitty three amigos with the swiveling hips that absolutely suck. And the shimmy a la Eddie Guerrero is equally as terrible. At one point, Tazawa goes for his patent and sets on off the top rope, but he is going to land ass first. There is no pull in the water as Dominic is going to land the frog splash on Tazawa for the win thanks to an assist from Maria Ripley, who gave him the telltale sign to move out of the way from that set on at the last possible moment. Judgment Day gets to pounce on Tazawa until the Street Profits come out to make the save, which is going to lead to a feud of some sort, even though the numbers game does not benefit the Street Profits because it's four on two. But I love the prospect of maybe one day having Rhea Ripley and perhaps Priest 
or Balor teaming up against Belair and the Prophets. That could be fun heading into the Warrior Rumble and or WrestleMania season. So seed planting is upon us and you gotta love it. And now it is time for our main event featuring Becky Lynch versus Nikki Cross versus Alexa Bliss in a triple threat match to face Bayley next Monday in a number one contenders match for the Raw Women's Championship at a day to be determined. This match was solid, but once again, the crowd was dry for this match. I will say that I really love the work between Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss. It was smooth. I love the transitions, the counters, the bridges. And we had Alexa Bliss team teasing sister abigail and the fans ooed at that moment but she could not hit the move bailey blocked it went for the band out of slam and alexa blocked that just great counters and roll-ups from both ladies into crazy nikki cross got involved up the ante with a shot to becky lynch on the outside by sending her into the still steps and landing a swinging net breaker on alexa bliss as we go to commercial break we come back and cross still working over alexa until becky breaks things up and she lands a series of strikes a bulldog and a leg drop off the middle rope for a near fall bliss wipes out Lynch and crossing the outside with a cannonball and we go for a Tower of Doom spot involving Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Becky gets in the ring and she's going to power bomb Nikki as Alexa goes for that superplex off the top rope with Lynch going for the cover on both ladies. From there, Cross gives Bliss a cross body outside the ring in a very unique spot and from there we get some weirdness from Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, and Becky Lynch because we have Nikki in position to do a draping swing net breaker on Alexa through the ropes. Becky climbs to the top rope to the middle rope to land a leg drop on Alexa as Nikki was going for the DDT. It took time to set it up. It was very obvious. And this was a couple of times Becky was off in this match with some soft kicks in the corner to Nikki Cross early on. And they're fighting on the apron back and forth until Becky lands the manhandle slam on Nikki Cross. Goes for the cover, but in doing so, damage controls EO Sky and Dakota Kai, the reigning defending WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, drag Becky out of the ring and they double team her. She tries to fight back, but in doing so, they're going to lift up Becky and powerbomb her through the announce table and lower him mercy this is a struggle to get her through this table the lift the execution was definitely a choice but she's wiped out courtesy of damage control but in doing so alexa bliss takes advantage but going up top and landing twisted bliss on nikki cross to advance to next week's number one contenders match against bailey now let the record show that bailey and alexa bliss had one of the worst feuds of 2017 I will only give that nod to Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton because their WrestleMania match and their House of Horrors match was fucking terrible at WrestleMania and Backlash. But this is your life. The Kendall Sick on a Pole match, the entire feud between Bailey and Alexa Bliss sucked. It's been five years. I think both ladies are in a better place and they would deliver a good match. Alexa Bliss has been on lately in the ring, which I love. Bailey is very good as well, and I expect this to be a good match. But the flashbacks, don't lie. I'm slightly traumatized from past events. I'll see if I recover heading into next week's match in Milwaukee. And with that, this wraps up an all right edition of Monday Night Raw, a very so-so show in front of a dry crowd in D.C. that really gave the stars very little to work with in terms of of enthusiasm and heat unless your name was Seth Rollins who they adore it last night by singing for him repeatedly otherwise 
dry night. They cared about some high spots here and there. But this was a show that felt kind of lifeless for three hours. And it was a time period that dragged on and on and on. And I felt it as a viewer and the fans definitely felt it at the Capital One Arena as well. And I hope the energy picks up as we head towards the holiday season. This is a very quiet period for WWE. There is not a pay-per-view between now and the Warrior Rumble. There is no day one to hype up in Atlanta this year, unfortunately. And that could be a good thing to give people more time to hype up and prep for the Warrior Rumble. But at the same time, you don't want these shows on Raw and SmackDown to be completely devoid of energy or excitement. So we need things to pick up a bit more exciting matches, hotter crowds to make me care as a viewer as you reach the home stretch of 2022. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 150 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and or Instagram at Wrestletopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on this in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, so rest of and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 97 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>